0: Before we receive our offering tonight, I I want to introduce someone to you that I really just reconnected with tonight. His name's Benny. He lives in Kennesaw, Georgia. He decided to drive in for our midweek Bible study when our church family is all spread out. You can go ahead and be seated. Um, we're spread out between choir and kids and students, and we got we got classes going on, but God told him to be here with us tonight and and I want you to know what a difference this church makes to people everywhere. And um, I ask him just for a few minutes to just tell us about the word that was released that I've forgotten till tonight. Uh, seven years ago, I released a word into his life, and uh, God's brought it full circle. And uh, he wanted to come back and thank us and also apologize. So I'll let him do the talking. Welcome him, Benny. Come on, man.
1: Um Wow, in 2008, I was watching TV and Pastor Ron Phillips was talking about the, the Jewish roots of Scripture. I think about a year before that is when the Holy Spirit began to show me the same things. I had all kinds of rebellion in my life, addiction, immorality, uh, that had started in 2000. Prior to that, I was walking in holiness moving with God. Fast forward from 2008, five years later, I come to Chattanooga, Tennessee for a job to sell roofing. Uh, Come up here with a company that later I would end up starting a company in Georgia. The year that I lived here, Abba's house, that's that church, that's that man of God that teaches the way the Bible is to be taught. But by then, my rebellion had really, really grown. I started coming to the church fully bound up, and occasionally, I began to meet Ronnie coming forward, and he would minister to me, and over time, people began to open up to you, and I knew I knew I was supposed to be developing relationships with this fellowship, but instead, I was developing relationships with people that were completely bound in this city, and I came forward one night to get prayed for, and pastor didn't know anything, and the Holy Spirit spoke to him, and he said, I see you you have a bunch of leeches all on you and they're just sucking the life out of you and he wasn't being condemning he was he was in he was in the holy ghost and he was just he was doing the best he could to get me to to get to to where I needed to be and i every time i would leave i knew but i continued and continued hanging out with the group of people another situation happened with my job and he again the man of god that he is he was speaking into my life about I had an issue with my coworker, my business partner, and I was super, super codependent as a result. And he was, he was trying to cut that away. And I kept continuing talking about my business partner. And he was like, Pastor Ron was like, no, God has a calling on your life. Whether or not your business partner is a part of that, I don't know. But God has, and he was, he was just really adamant about getting me to re, re-remember who I was in Christ. I went to Georgia, started a big old company, made all this money, lost everything, stayed in rebellion, always regretting, not connecting with this man of God who's reaching out to me. Finally, everything reaches to a head. About two years ago, I'm in jail and I'm I'm, I'm so angry with myself. I'm begging them to give me a Bible and I'm reading scripture and the Holy Spirit shows me in one of Paul's writings where Jesus is the head of the church and then the, the order of Jesus being the head of the church, and then from there all the way into marriage, and, and Jesus showed me how I am not under His headship because I'm so disconnected from His body, and and my my obedience to Him and His coming under His authority is in direct relationship to how I treat His people and godly authority. And that was the beginning stages. I I requested a man of God to come see me and jail I re- I repented in front of him the very next day a prison guard who was a Christian gave me a word in front of everyone he was nervous it was directly connected to and so I've been making it a point to apologize to every man of God who has sown into my life this fellowship his father preaches the bible the holy ghost jesus um the jewish roots and it's in the south it's the whole I just from a black male perspective, that's kind of cool. Don't, not to sound racist, but freaking, he, he ministered to me, so now I'm making it a point to apologize, and I wanted to come and see him because now I'm free from drugs, I'm no longer living in a morality, and I didn't know I was gonna be able to, I just wanted to come and tell him I'm sorry, I, I wanna say sorry to you, a, as well as thank you, but sorry because, yeah.
0: Stay here, stand up on your feet. As the pastor of this church, I'll speak as the headship of this church. My father is now our apostle, our pastor emeritus, who is our ambassador. But I speak for him as well as the pastor. And I say this, and I want you to hear it as words from the father. We forgive you. We forgive you. And the Bible says that he makes all things new. And so tonight, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit... I decree and declare that your best days are in front of you, that no weapon formed against you can prosper, that the past is the past. You are forgiven. You are free and fully alive. You will live and not die, and you have only seen the beginning of what God's going to do in you, for you, and through you. If you receive this and come into agreement with this, shout amen in the house tonight. Give God a shout of praise for restoration. What a story. What a story. You never know what God wants to do. Y'all keep standing. I know y'all been working all day. Listen, not church aerobics. We're about to take an offering. If you sit down, you won't give nothing. I know how this works. I was trained good, okay? Let's sow a seed of restoration. Now, hold your hand up. Let me bless you. Just bring your offering up. Put them in the buckets while we worship Heavenly Father. Wow. Wow. What an awesome thing we get to be a part of. Awesome. Awesome work we get to be a part of, a work that reaches all people from all walks of life. Lord, a work that would draw people from Kennesaw and Dominican Republic and the nation of Israel and everywhere around the world to come and make things right at the Father's house, a place where prodigals can come home. Prodigals are being sent here all the way from Georgia for a midweek service. Father, we give you praise for restoration. We are a house of grace. And Lord, as we sow tonight, may we remember our one. Our one. The one we've invited, the one we've invested in. The one that's told us no 500 times. May we remember this story that it may take eight years. It may take 19 years. But all things work together for the good for those who, are, who love God and who are called according to his purpose. We claim that tonight as we give. We claim it for our grandchildren, our children, our friends, those who aren't in church, those who need a touch from God, those in the crack house, those in the barroom, those in the corporate jets that need you, Father. We claim them tonight, the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You may give your offering. This revelation I've been releasing to you on Wednesday night has been something that's been in me for a long time. Um, but the longer something is in you, the more time it has to marinate. And God has been building these messages really throughout my entire life. Um, Everybody says, man, Wednesdays, the last eight, ten weeks have been awesome, you know. Well, sometimes we teach fresh revelation. Sometimes we just teach. We teach your intellect. We don't connect with you soul to soul. Some nights I'm just going to teach the Bible. We're going to teach and we're going to go to the house. Then there are nights where I'm giving you revelation that's on the inside of me. That's biblical, but it's also on the inside of me. So I'm releasing something from my soul into you. It's an impartation, and that's what we've been walking in the last three weeks. We've been walking in impartation. We talked about soulmates, Jonathan and David. We talked about teammates, Ruth and Naomi, and tonight mates, and I defined these three types of people in this way. Soulmates are few and far between. They're people who are into you. They're into who you are. God's called them to you to connect with you on a soul-to-soul basis. They're into who you are. They are loyal. They love you for you. They love you regardless of your title, regardless of your background, regardless of anything else. They love you for you. These are soulmates. These are few and far between. And then we have teammates, and God gives you teammates for different seasons in your life. And you accomplish goals together. You achieve things together. Nothing wrong with teammates unless you try to make them a soulmate. Teammates leave when the season's over, and the relationship is never the same after the season ends. You will not live a frustrated life if you understand what a teammate is, what their purpose is for your life and for the kingdom of God. Underneath it all is a kingdom principle that Jesus is your soulmate, your teammate, and will be your cellmate. If you have Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, then you'll have kingdom vision and kingdom purpose, kingdom access, kingdom authority. You'll know who you are in Christ. You'll know what you're supposed to do and how you were supposed to live. These are all branches on the tree. The tree is Jesus. The root that comes from the root of Jesse is Jesus Christ. And when you have Jesus, when you have the hero within... He will show you who to connect with, where to go. Cellmates are those people who are in prison with you. It may be a prison of addiction, a prison of religion, a prison of the way things used to be, a prison of the past, whatever it may be. Cellmates are people who are in the same prison cell that you are in. Cellmates only love you as long as you share the same cell that they sell and that they live in. So, Occasionally, though, God will pair you up with a cellmate that's also a teammate and a soulmate. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about cellmates that will cause you to sing in the night hour. You see, sometimes God puts people in your life that will sing with you during the darkest times of your life, that will release a song. During the darkest times in your life, every poet and every old covenant prophet, when they spoke of the night, they weren't necessarily talking about when it gets dark outside. The night represented darkness, doom and gloom, difficulty. When you hear the word night, it means difficult times, times of despair, times of struggle, times of hurt and heartache. We all go through nighttime, difficult times, dark times. But occasionally, if you get put in a prison cell and you don't deserve to be there, God will give you a song for your night seasons. And I'm going to tell you how to have a song in the night tonight. But first, I want to define cellmates. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. Acts chapter 16, beginning with verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Everybody say demons. Spirit of divination is what I call a diva spirit. I learned that from an African-American pastor in Chicago who's gifted in spiritual warfare. He says when someone's trying to be a diva and they are trying to be noticed, then they have a spirit of divination. It's inductive manipulation. This is a spirit of manipulation. This is what a pimp has over a prostitute. This is what a master has over a slave. It's what people try to do to manipulate you and to change you for their own benefit. Inner revelation. Now it happened as we went to prayer. Hey, Selina, could you take this sister out and get to know her a little better for me? Y'all maybe have some prayer time together. I'm feeling like that's something we need to do. Yes, ma'am. If you would, I want to get to know this lady. See how we can help her. Thank you. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. The girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men... Are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. Now, what was going on here is this spirit of divination was trying to distract the work of God. Whenever you have a demon manifest, it's always a distraction to what God is trying to do. And you have to deal with that. And that's what you have happening in this text. She's saying the right things. But her heart's not right. And so it's a distraction to the men of God who were called there to Philippi to do the work of the kingdom. This happens more in church than you realize on Sundays and Wednesdays. The enemy is still alive, and his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy, to steal your moment, to steal your time with God, to steal your opportunity. But Paul, greatly annoyed, you ever been greatly annoyed? Turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master, somebody say pimp. This mic's popping just a little bit. When... Her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. It's interesting. Society will always side with the demonic over the authentic. Society crucified Jesus. Society will always go with the majority. But sometimes God is doing something that the majority won't agree with. So be careful not to be a follower in the things of God, in the kingdom of God. Sometimes you've got to be a pioneer. Sometimes you got to be a martyr. Sometimes you have to die for what you believe in. Anybody want to sign up for that? And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, but being Romans to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison. This is for the most heinous criminals. This is where you'd put a serial killer, a terrorist, Charles Manson, in the inner chamber. and fastened their feet in the stocks. But here we go. It's about to get good. Somebody say, it's about to get good. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before the apostle Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? You know, God is concerned with the souls of man. We're concerned with our purpose, our destiny, what makes us feel good, this, that, worldly things, worldly lust, worldly flesh, all that stuff. But God will allow you to go through misery, misery and hell so that one person will come to Christ. Now, I don't really want to go through. I'd rather just love people and they come to Christ. But God will allow bad things to happen to His people so that His kingdom will be advanced. So that the works, as it says in the Bible, will be made manifest. That's what God will do. I love this quote by G. Michael Hagan, and it said, Human need requires discernment of divine desires. Human need requires discernment of divine desires. You see, the spirit of divination that this young girl had Every one of us wants to know what our purpose is. Every one of us is drawn in to wanting to know why. Wanting to hear from our lost loved ones. You know, we miss the people that have died that we love. And so many times we'll take a counterfeit road to get what we feel like we need. And that's where the enemy comes in and tries to twist things and distract us is through that human need and desire to have a touch from the other dimension, to have a touch from the other world. And so we'll, you know, use fortune tellers or horoscopes or whatever it may be, just trying to get something supernatural when the supernatural life comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The greatest soulmate, teammate, and cellmate that ever lived, who came to love, came to serve, who died for our sins... No other God died for us. No other so-called deity died for us. Jesus died for you and for me, for our sins. He never sinned. He never hurt anybody. He loved everybody. He died for us because he is the true God. Everyone else said, hey, if you don't prove yourself to me by killing yourself. No, Jesus said, listen, I'm going to die for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He is a God of love. You'll never find a God like him because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man gets to the other world except through him. Verse 31, So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas said this to the magistrates, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So they go from being in... The sale to being in the magistrate's house. That's what my God can do. He can take you from being in prison to prosperity. He can do it. He can take you from the outhouse to the penthouse. From the poorhouse to the governor's mansion. God can take you places. It's not about wealth and prosperity. It's about what God can do. And if he can get the glory, he'll take you from where you are to where you're supposed to be because that's the kind of God we serve. He can do things. He can change things. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. Mm. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. So God allowed these two brothers to get beaten to get shamed, to get ran out of town, to be locked in the worst prison cell in the whole prison. Why? Maybe it was so. Prisoners would get saved. A magistrate would get saved. A family would be saved so that God would be lifted up. We have to understand that God's ways are not our ways. He is much bigger than us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He works on a different playing field than we do. And you may not understand it, and you may never be able to grasp it, but God Almighty has a plan. If He called you to it, He will see you through it. Could you imagine being the Apostle Paul? He wasn't very popular. You know, Billy Graham, who we all admire, I mean, Billy Graham advised like 14 presidents. Democrat and Republican. Everybody loved Billy Graham. If Billy Graham was alive and he came and did a crusade in Chattanooga, he'd have Democrats, Republicans, he'd have every race go. He, he had that kind of draw. Bishop T.D. Jakes has that kind of draw. Surely they had haters, but no matter what type of environment these two men would walk in, they had instant respect. Didn't matter. They were able to cross political and denominational lines. But you know what? Apostle Paul didn't have that anointing. I mean, he was not well respected like these two men. He wasn't treated like we want our leaders to be treated. I mean, this guy was snake bit, had seizures, was cussed, beat with rods, shipwrecked, bad mouthed, ran out of every every time he'd show up in town. The the mobs would come on to beat him to death. How many of you want that anointing? Everywhere you go, people want to beat you up, lock you in prison. He spent nearly six years of his life in prison, writing the New Testament, beaten often. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. From the Jews five times, I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Somebody say, sign me up. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day... I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, fake friends, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. He would eventually die a martyr's death to the Roman government. He'd give his life for the message of grace. Why was he hated so much? Because of grace. I can't wrap my mind around it. Because of the gospel of grace, that if you'll repent of your sins and you'll accept the free gift of God's love and His grace, you can be saved, have a better life on earth, and spend eternity in heaven. That simple grace message that we preach here on a regular basis, he was hated for it. Because of grace, no one defined grace like the Apostle Paul. What we cherish about him, they hated him for. They wanted him dead for. Simply because he described the goodness of God through charis, grace. That's the Greek word charis. That's where we get our word charismatic. don't have anything to do with speaking in tongues. It has to do with being a grace fanatic. Somebody says, you're a charismatic, or that's a charismatic church. yeah. Charis, grace, fanatic. I'm fanatical about grace. I'm fanatical about God's love. I'm fanatical about what God's brought me through that, and what he's brought me to that I didn't deserve. I'm fanatical about the grace of God. Call me a charismatic if you want to. That just means I'm in love with him and I'm crazy about his grace. I'm crazy about the grace of God. So we come to this Encounter here in Acts 16. And she's following Paul around, and she's aggravating him. And he's trying to do his thing, and she's following them around, making trouble. And when Paul cast the demons out of her, you would think the people connected to this slave girl would be proud, but they weren't. A cellmate will never be proud of you When you get free. A cellmate will only celebrate you when you're stuck in the same prison cell that they're in. That's my point. Number one, cellmates will only celebrate you when you remain in bondage with them. This pimp was using this girl in fortune telling and was making profit off her. He did not care anything about her soul or her life. All he cared about was what he could get out of her, very much like a pimp. Some of you have people in your lives, and they don't care a thing about you. All they care about is what you can do for them. They're not loyal to you. They're loyal to their need of you. They don't care about you. They care about what you can do for them. I've seen it in church a thousand times. I call it paycheck loyalty. The most frustrating thing growing up was watching my father try to lead a church to see people say the right stuff, dance the right dance, but when the paycheck stopped, loyalty stopped. It's fraudulent. It's fraudulent. Paycheck loyalty. That's all this guy was concerned about. What can I get out of this girl? She means more to me bound up with demons than she does free. Some of you have friends in your life. And if you get free, it's going to cost them. So they don't want you free. They want you stuck in the same prison cell that they are. Is this helping anybody? As long as you share their addiction, struggle, dysfunction, bitterness, they will pretend to celebrate you, these cellmates, but really they aren't celebrating you but what you can do for them. This master, when... Paul and Silas cast those demons out of her. He lost his golden goose and he wanted payback. So he sent a mob of Roman citizens after them to beat them, to shackle them, took them to the magistrates. You see, there are some things that the enemy doesn't want to give up. Have you ever asked yourself why some people who claim to be Christians claim to be moral while they won't take a harder stand against political issues that we know biblically those of us who are professing Christians we know biblically that what they stand what they stand for is wrong we don't we don't stand against the people but we know morally it's wrong have you ever wondered why people who claim to be Christians and who have the power to do something about that don't they have too much to lose Some people don't want to lose what they have. Could this happen in the United States of America today? I believe it can. You better believe it could. It happened in this country not too long ago. The state of Georgia passed a law in the 1830s that forbade white people from living with the Cherokee Indians. This made it illegal for ministers like me like Samuel Worcester, to continue his Christian work among the Indians. Samuel Worcester was a minister to the Indians. This is what he did. He lived among them. So they passed a law in Georgia saying, hey, you can't live with the Cherokee Indians any longer. So Worcester and ten other American missionary preachers were arrested and jailed in the state of Georgia. They were sentenced to four years in prison Because Worcester would not sign an oath declaring he would not preach the gospel of grace to the Indians. Why did the state of Georgia do this? Why did they lock these preachers up? You want to know why? Money. Money. Don't talk to me about freedom and all that. Most of it's been about money from day one. They found gold in Dahlonega, Georgia. And they needed to remove the Native Americans from Dahlonega, Georgia, so that the settlers could pursue their own riches. Don't talk to me about fairness. It ain't ever been fair, especially not for the Native Americans. It could happen again in the United States. It could happen again today. If we allow the cellmates to run the prison... We're going to lose our freedom. How are we going to lose our freedom? By watering down the First Amendment. Greatest thing about this country is the freedom of speech. And when they take that and they start telling you what you can say and how you can say it and what you can preach and what you can't say, then you lose your freedom. And when you lose your freedom, you lose your church. And when you lose your church, you lose your community. And when you lose your community and your church, you lose your voice. And you eventually lose your life. And you're under Sharia law and you don't know why and you don't know why you're having to live this way because over time you wouldn't take a stand for the people who couldn't stand up for themselves. You wouldn't stand up for righteousness. You wouldn't speak out against abortion and the things that are wrong because you had too much to lose. Nobody would take a stand because somebody else had dirt on them. So you just allow things to keep going. It could happen, folks. It could happen. The gospel scares the hell out of people. Because it is the power of God unto salvation. Religion doesn't scare people. Religion doesn't scare people. Our little clubs don't scare people. But the gospel, the power of God unto salvation, scares people. Because let me tell you, people are comfortable when they know who fits in what category. And the gospel promotes people that don't deserve it. And the gospel changes destinies. And the gospel does things that can't be explained by man. And the gospel may promote someone that will take your position. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Number two, cellmates are under the illusion of freedom, not the reality of freedom. Let me say that again. Cellmates are under the illusion of freedom, not the reality of freedom. Sin, which means to miss the mark in the Bible, makes us feel good at first. How many of y'all would admit to that? Am I the only sinner in the house? No, I think there are a few more. Roger, raise your hand. Just kidding. Roger defended our country. I love Roger. Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's me, that's you, that's everybody. We're all sinners. We all make mistakes, but sin feels good at first. Cellmates are under the illusion of freedom. The reason many folks don't follow Christ is because they don't want to give up their lives. They don't want to give up what they deem to be fun. It's an illusion of freedom. I know because I used to be under that illusion. I don't want to give up my life. Well, the life I had was miserable. It was wretched, man. But I, I didn't want to give that up. I thought, I'm going to stay in my box. I don't want to try Jesus. But now I look at the whole picture because I'm out from under the illusion of freedom and I'm living the reality of freedom and I realize what I thought was freedom was bondage and what I have now is freedom. But the enemy convinced me back then. That I was free. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to trick your mind to make you feel like you were free. When really you're in bondage. That's what sin does. You miss the mark. You cross the line. You continue to cross the line. You trespass. And then it eats you up from the inside out. So how did Paul and Silas respond to being in prison? What would you do? Listen, I'm going to be honest. I never went to prison. But I did spend a night in the Hamilton County Jail one time. For something I didn't do. Now I did a lot that I deserved to be in jail for. But I never got caught for that stuff. When I finally got put in jail for a night. I was actually dead innocent. I'm telling you as your pastor. Hand on the Bible. What they put me in jail for. I did not do. When I was away from the Lord. But God wanted me there. I felt like because I'd had enough free passes. That I I had that one coming. But I'll never forget this. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I guess it relates. It'll relate somehow. But I was in this jail, and there's this inner, like, holding cell in the jail. And there was this big brother. I'm talking like three times my size. And he was so rowdy, the the guards couldn't handle him. And he was in the middle of the cell. And I'll never forget it because he was singing baller, shot caller, 20-inch blades on the Impala. And he had the greatest voice, one of the greatest voices I've ever heard in my life. And I'm talking... The whole prison cell was jamming with this dude. And I'm talking beautiful voice, opera voice. I'm talking who hijacked the anointing. I mean, he was awesome. And I remember thinking, man, it's all right for a few minutes. (laughs) This guy was good, man. He had a song in the night. But what did Paul and Silas do when they were in prison? I mean, most of us would cry. I didn't do it. I want my mama. I don't want that peanut butter jelly sandwich, man. Oh. I don't want to pee in front of all these people, man. I got to go to the bathroom, and there's seven dudes around me, man. Come on. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, and the rest of y'all be glad you don't, all right? Randy knows. Let me tell you. Paul and Silas didn't cry. They didn't blame other people. They didn't feel sorry for themselves. They found their purpose and mission, and they released a song in the prison. A song in the night. Some of us would cry all night. Some of us would be angry at the mob that falsely accused us and beat us with rods. Some of us would blame God. We'd say, God, I'm doing your work, and you let a demon-possessed mob beat you. But God's purpose was bigger than all that. He wanted to see that magistrate get saved. And that family and those other prisoners, he wanted them to hear the gospel of grace. Hebrews 11, verse 25 says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Jesus said, Do not fear, only believe. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. What did I tell you earlier? All things work together for the good for those called according to his purpose. So God will make a way out of no way. I love what it also says in Romans. It says, He also predestined us to be conformed to the image of His Son. Predestined means to set forth a path. When you hear about the doctrine of predestination, it's not that God only chooses the elect. It's that every child in their mother's womb has been predestined. God has preordained a path for that human being in that womb. Now... When we get to the age of accountability, we have to make a choice to get in on his path and his plan and submit to his sovereign will. That's our free will. Our free will can rebel against God's sovereign will. That doesn't mean he didn't choose us. It means we didn't choose him. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover whom he predestined, set forth a path, These he also called. So if he predestined you, he called you. And those he called, he also justified. I love that word, just as if you'd never sinned. See, once you've received Jesus, once you realize who you are, that you've been called, it's just as if you've never sinned. So stop telling me about what you did 20 years ago. Stop being ashamed to talk about your past. God's forgotten about it. If other people are holding it over your head, that's their problem. You're not who you used to be. You're not what you used to be. That's why I can joke about baller shot caller. I don't even know that guy. That was 20 years ago. God done has done something. And he'll do something in you. It says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all... How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Who? Doesn't matter what they do to you. You're going to win because of Jesus. Yet in all things, verse 37, Romans 8, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, Paul said, for me to live is Christ to die is gain. So maybe they kill you in jail. Maybe they kill you in the streets. Maybe they cut your head off. Live as Christ dies gain. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities or powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul and Silas... Decided to release a song in the night. They decided to sing. You know when Jesus was on the cross. He said why oh why hast thou forsaken me. And for years I thought man Jesus is doubting who he was called to be. Jesus is having a moment of doubt there. Like Jesus is asking the father. Listen why I need you right now I'm hurting. That's the way I always thought it. I heard it preached that way. But then I realized. I realized. That's a passage from Psalms before Jesus was ever born. Jesus wasn't doubting God. He was releasing a song in the night. He was dying, but yet singing. They had put a crown of thorns on his head, spit on him, mocked him, drugged him through the streets. And he's about to die, but he's singing. He's singing. He's singing the song. Wow. He's singing. God wants to give you your song back. The night is inescapable. The night comes to us all. The night is darkness, it's despair, it's difficulty. Even Job, the Bible says, was a righteous man, but he could not escape the night. He could not escape bad things, unfair things, things that happened to all of us. He couldn't escape it. But his faith was a testimony. Nature brings night. Everybody say that. Nature brings night. It happens naturally. Darkness happens naturally. Also injustices bring night. Unfair things bring the night seasons. Number three, and it's a long number three. Don't get excited. It's my last point, but it's a long point. Cellmates with a song are soulmates for life. See, not all cellmates are bad. Jesus is your soulmate, your teammate, and your cellmate when you're in a night season. He's all of the above. But cellmates with a song are soulmates for life. In this story, the song they released was light and darkness. It was the power of God unto salvation. It was Holy Spirit power. It was joy unspeakable and full of glory. Maybe you need a song in the night. The kingdom message that Jesus preached is and was a song in the night. It was something new. Charles Spurgeon said this. I love this quote. Any fool can sing in the day. Some of you, all you ever do is sing in the day, and the day represents the good times. You know how to sing in the daytime, but you don't have a song when the difficult days come, when the diagnosis comes, when you lose that loved one, when you don't understand what your kids are doing, what your grandkids are doing. He said any fool can sing in the day. It's easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight, but the skillful singer... Is he who can sing when there is not a ray of light to be read by? Songs in the night come only from God. They are not the power of men. How many of you say, Pastor Ronnie, I'm in a night season. I need a song. I need a song. How many of you say that? Let's just be honest in here. It's not that many of us. How many of you are in a night season? Uncertainty, difficulty. Don't 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 know where you're going with it. I want to release something. Four things for those of you who need a song in the night. How do you get a song in the night? How do you get a song in the night? Number one, practice singing in the day. you got to learn how to praise God during the good times. Paul didn't wait till he got in jail to sing. His life was a song. His eyesight was a song. His wounds were a song His death was a song His conversion on Damascus Road He went from a murderer To an apostle It was a song It brought glory to God His life was a love song to Jesus We look at his life as tragedy God looks at it as triumph When the Roman government killed him It wasn't the end It was the beginning And He had crowns waiting on him You need to be in agreement with God and His church during the good times. So folks will be there to sing with you during the night seasons of your life. You need connection. There are people in this church that will help you sing in the night. Not everybody in our church can be there for everybody, but I promise you, you get connected. Somebody will be there for you during your night season. Somebody will be there for you. You'll know how to activate Jesus. You'll know how to bring the hero in on your situation. Practice singing in the day. If you need a song in the night, you got to practice singing in the day. you got to learn how to thank God for what you have, not what you don't have. Praise Him during the day. Number two, identify the soulmates God has for you. Some of you have been hanging around with the wrong people. I'm not trying to be Baptist in 1984 and beat you to death about who you hang out with and act like everybody you hang out with has to have angel wings and halo I mean, you can hang out with real people, okay? But if people have used you and abused you and used you for years, and they're sucking the life out of you, like I told that brother at the altar. One Sunday my dad was preaching, he came, and we released that to that brother because he had everybody, he had a bunch of cellmates around him sucking the life out of him. They weren't giving him anything in return. Some of you have the same thing. Same thing. You need people who love you. Identify the soulmates God has for you. 1 Peter chapter 5 describes Silas, who was in the prison cell with Paul, as a faithful man. When I die, if all they say about me was he was a faithful man, that's good enough for me. How many of you will take it? If all they say is, you know what? He was faithful. She was faithful. That should be enough. Number three. Number one, again, practice singing in the day. Two, identify the soulmates God has for you. Three, remember joy comes in the morning. You see, Paul knew about the night, but he knew that God owned the morning. Good news, if you're in a night season, joy comes in the morning. Seasons change. That's why I hate suicide so much. I hate what the enemy does to our minds. Because suicide says it's never going to get better. You're always going to feel this way. Take matters into your own hands. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I know it's miserable. I know it's bad. I know you don't want to live, but joy comes in the morning. Seasons change. I've lived it. I've seen it. I wanted to die. From 16 to 20, I prayed to die. Now I wouldn't trade my life with anybody. What I'm telling you, listen to me. Whatever you're going through, if you're listening to this, or you're in here tonight, there's a new season around the corner. Don't allow the devil to convince you it's not going to get better. Paul knew that God owned the morning. Joy comes in the morning. You wait this thing out and you put God first, he's going to restore everything that the devil's taken from you. You just have to receive it. Finally, if you need a song in the night, you have to expect the open door. When they were singing, there was an earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were loose. You have to expect the open door. The keeper of the prison was saved. God moved in a powerful way. Listen to me. In the book of Revelation, there are three doors mentioned. The first one's to the church of Sardis. It's a relationship door. It says he stands at the door and knocks and wants to dine with us. There's a relationship door. And then in Revelation chapter 3 later, it's to the church of Philadelphia. And it's the key of David. There's a relationship door, but then there's a church door. What is the key of David? Somebody say Worship. Yep. A song in the night. Yes, Jesus stands at the door and knocks and wants to be Lord of your life, but there's an open heaven waiting for you. All that you must do is release a song in your night season. You might think it sounds crazy, but try praising God. Try worshiping Him in your car, in your home. Try praying out loud. I know for some of you it's weird. Sometimes you got to get to that place where you pray. And you cry and you shout. and You don't care who hears. You get to that place. I hope you don't ever get to that place like I've been. Ah, but when you get to that place, it moves heaven. Because God knows when you're being real and when you're being religious. There's another door. It's a heavenly door. It says in Revelation 4, I looked up and saw a door standing open in heaven. I'm telling you, you need a song in the night. Yes, you've got to learn to sing in the day. Yes, you've got to identify soulmates. Ah, but you've got to expect the open door. I'll close with a story about Ken and Gene Chaney of Mariposa, California. They made a trip to Fresno. To clear up a tax question and on their way home driving through Sierra Nevada, their car ran off the road and the couple was snowbound for 18 days. They lived off gum and certs they found in their console. As they waited for help, they would turn the heat on for five minutes every two hours till their gas ran out. Eventually they ran out of gas, they ran out of gum, they ran out of certs, and eventually they ran out of life. Ken and Gene Cheney, though, were devout Christians. They ministered to drug addicts and homeless people and kept them in their homes for years. They distributed food and clothing to hurting people. That was their ministry. That was their life. They knew something about a song in the night. And during the 18 days that led to their death, they kept a journal. And I thought I would close by reading you some entries in that journal. One night they wrote, we spent the night singing hymns and quoting Bible verses. Another night, as times were getting desperate, they said, so here we are completely and utterly in God's hands. What better place to be? The last entry was written to their children by their mother. And it said, Dad went to be with the Lord at 7.30 this evening, March 18th. It was so peaceful, I didn't even know he left. The last thing I heard him say was, thank the Lord. They had a song in the night. 18 days of starvation and hypothermia. They had a song in the night. There's an old song that says, sing through... Sing though the night is long, sing though the burden is strong, sing, 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 for the night will not last, only a short time, and in the day God's great light will shine. So what I want to do tonight is just have you stand on your feet before we get out of here. First thing I want to do is give you an opportunity like this magistrate did in our text to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You don't have to have everything figured out. You just have to have faith to believe in the message of grace and the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that if you confess, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead. If you do that, the Bible says you'll be saved. You're forgiven. You'll have... purpose on earth and spend an eternity in heaven. So I'll lead you in that prayer. Then we're going to sing a song. We're going to release a song at night. But if you need Jesus, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, that's right, Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, please come into my heart and save me. Lord, please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your me for your glory. If you prayed to receive Christ, I want you to make that public in some way tonight or on Sunday morning. Let us get to know you. Reach out to us. But Many of you are faithful, but you're dealing with a night season, a night struggle. I just want us to take a few minutes in worship, just a few minutes, and release a song in the night. Release a song